0: Dear ones, you're listening to the What God Is Not podcast with Father Michael O'Loughlin and Mother Natalia.
1: Hey friends, thanks for listening. This is Mother Natalia. On today's episode, you're going to hear Father Michael O'Loughlin share his scandalous genealogy, his conversion story, or lack thereof. You're going to hear him share about how um, how very many failures he had and how God used those failures and and gives us all hope through that. You'll get to hear about his falling in love and discerning celibacy all at once in the midst of Rome and Assisi. You'll get to hear an exciting announcement that we make at the end of our podcast. And also, if, you, um, if you're if you one of those hashtag banter haters, then at the end of this announcement, you can skip ahead 12 minutes to miss our banter.
0: Glory to Jesus Christ, Mother.
1: Glory forever, Father.
0: <laughs>
1: I even said it like you, glory forever. That's me um, loving you.
0: <laughs> oh, there we go. Amen. <laughs> So that that was uh, my bad in the beginning. I forgot to pray. So.
1: Hashtag nagging. Hashtag
0: typical Father Michael. <laughs> Just
1: that was mean. You know, I it was the the one of my. I think it was my first interview with Matt Frad, He, I was dead set on not reading the comments. I was like. People are so mean on YouTube in their comments that if I read these, I'm just gonna cry myself to sleep at night, and it's gonna be horrible. And anyways, um, Matt, at one point, uh, Matt texted me and he was like, "You need to read the comments on the video. You have to. they're so good." And so I went on and I read the comments and and I've never seen um, I've never seen this on YouTube, right? It's like
0: he just edited out all the bad ones. really? No, I'm just kidding. Oh,
1: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, maybe he did. I don't know. He called
0: me. He's like, Father, it's horrible. Like, absolutely (laughs) horrible. Like, I do not want her to see these. And I was like, you know what, man? You you can just edit them out. He's like, that's
1: a good idea. And
0: then, I'm just kidding. I'm
1: totally kidding. (laughs) Wow, thanks a lot. So So I went on, and there... I mean, there were there were a couple negative comments, but but by far they were they were very positive, right? But then there was like, wow, well, there were a couple that were pretty creepy. and then but there was one that was like there was one that was like it's so good that she became a nun because I see exactly the kind of wife that she would have been, and she would have been one of those <laughs> horrible nagging women who, and they just go on and I was like, Wow, that's really hurtful. anyways, that's what you just did.
0: This so. person has Thanks. issues. Anybody <laughs> who would say that has major, major deep seated <laughs> issues. <laughs> it was, it was Michael O'Loughlin. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so. uh, just kidding. It's funny. It the thing that I thought of when we were doing that was um, public confession. I don't think we observe the scriptural mandate to confess our sins to one another enough. Ooh. And I was just thinking, I was, I was thinking like, if I, if I was in a plane that was crashing to the ground. Or if I was in a ship that was sinking, or if I was near imminent death, I would absolutely go to confession to anybody there. like if there wasn't a priest, uh-huh. I would absolutely do it like i I think that our Lord understands that, and that would actually be the thing to do. It's not sacramental it's it's not nobody can hear confessions in the current understanding except priests, but I think well it's it, not being,
1: sacramental. First of all, I wouldn't say nobody can hear confessions. I would say nobody can absolve you of your sins. But second of all, uh, it's... Well, by
0: confession, I mean the sacrament, though.
1: It's not sacramental in the sense of the seven sacraments that we've defined. Right. But God could work outside of that.
0: Okay, see, now you had to explain all of that.
1: (laughs) I can't, I can't. We need to do a whole episode on that. We need to do a whole episode on that.
0: Okay, so but basically, what what she's saying is, is that <laughs> the Eastern Church was quite late in saying there's only seven holy mysteries, only seven sacraments.
1: Some um, of some of the early fathers said that there were like thirteen or something like that. Yeah. some said two. <laughs> so.
0: and, and and we've well, that was <laughs> heresy. Are you talk about Martin Luther or somebody else? No,
1: no, no, um, no. Some of the no. I'll look it up later. But, okay.
0: Yeah. So, so in other words, the the, the development of the seven sacraments <laughs> is 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 quite late. Um, I think the one of the most, and even there are some Orthodox who will say we don't know how many there are, and I I kind of like that as much as I like the seven holy mysteries. But um, for, until very late, and I think we've said this before, um, monastic profession and funerals were actually considered like holy mysteries with a capital M, like. Baptism mm-hmm. and chrismation and Eucharist were. So in other words, it's not seven seven holy mysteries, seven sacraments are are not they're set in stone now, pretty much, although they're there I think there there's there's room for an understanding of how God's grace works, especially the self-infant grace, etcetera. But um so that's what Mother was saying was that that we can call other things that God does in our life sacramental or mystagogical, we can call that, they're, they're grace-filled moments that, that lead us to theosis, that that, that bond us to Christ. So um, it's of course much more than seven, you make this out of the cross can forgive sins. Any sort of prayer, the Jesus prayer can forgive sins. There's, there's a lot of things, moments where we interact in visible way with God's invisible grace. So in other words, um, what Mother was saying was it's any, well, could be said, any any good thing done like this could be in a sense tapping into what we may call sacramental or the grace of the holy mysteries of God. That's one of the ways He works.
1: So that's very beautiful and deep. But I really was just being obnoxious because okay. you accused me of <laughs> nagging. Um, so I was just, but I shouldn't have been you're obnoxious not, not on the podcast go, you? because I shouldn't have. Known. <laughs> I shouldn't have been. Of of course not. I'm never letting it go. Uh, but I shouldn't have been obnoxious on the podcast because then I made you explain it to all of our listeners. And so forgive me, listeners. That's my public (laughs) confession now what's yours father michael
0: (laughs) (laughs) so i don't have one here although i will tell you so i was i was on the phone with a spiritual daughter of mine um shout out to alish Catton, who's a i know a listener um and i was i was walking while i was doing spiritual direction with her and as i was walking i was i just decided to sit down it was a beautiful day and i sat down and um Quick story beforehand, what had happened is I had gone to do our seminary, our property check. So we have this beautiful property in Los Angeles, but it is Los Angeles. So every night I walk around the whole property and like check the doors, check the windows, make sure they're not broken, you know, things like that. Just making sure that that all is well for the night. And one night I went and somebody had um, obviously stolen a Amazon package from someone's front porch, decided to go onto the back of our property and open it and see what was inside. And it seems all that was inside was some candy. So they kind of pulled the candy out, then <laughs> just left it all like, sitting <laughs> there. Father Michael's like, score. Yeah, right. <laughs> not I would try that. But um, that was exactly it. So they, they left, there was some candy there, and there was an open package that was obviously not the person who it was intended for. Anyway, I, I didn't even like try to bring it to the recipient because it was just candy i did not even see a note in there so anyway i i was like on my mind was someone stealing packages off people's front's of porches and then they're coming to our parish property because it's so big and you can hide uh to open them up and see what's inside so i as i'm walking i see this this guy and he is he's walking holding like walking down the street holding a package and i'm like okay like and and it like why are you walking down the street and there was certainly some judgment there about the way he was dressed and uh the the cleanliness of his person etc and i just and i said to ailish i said you know i i'm sorry I'm, i'm like i was kind of distracted in our conversation i said sorry there's this guy here and he's holding a package and i somebody's been stealing Amazon or, or you know delivery packages and opening them on our property, so I'm just kind of keeping an eye on him. And then as the conversation went on, I realized, nope, he was holding a bakery box, or like a bakery <laughs> and food in it. And I was like, oh man, and so I was like, you know, I just, I just need to, I need to apologize. I want to confess to you right now <laughs> since I said to you, I'm keeping my eye on a guy who's holding a package, and then I like... I was obviously judging. Was obviously horribly wrong. Was obviously sinning. And so I just said, "I want to. I, I need to go to confession. I just misjudged this guy. What I thought was a, a package was actually a bakery box full of food that someone probably gave him to help him because he probably needs food." So anyway, I, I I I think we need to do that more often, where we we realize we've done something wrong. Especially we had the reading this past week that said, um, "I forget. I think it was probably Wednesday night for Thursday, probably Thursday reading." Um, said, if somebody, if someone sins, this is First John, if someone sins and is not mortal, then pray for them. Hmm. If it's not deadly, in other words, then pray for them. I do not say to pray if it is deadly, but if someone sins and it's not deadly, pray for them. I just thought that, that that's one of those mandates from the scriptures, from the apostles, that we just don't emphasize. When's the last time you heard someone tell you, if someone sins and you and you witness it or know they sinned, like immediately pray for them. Hmm. You know, I, I I don't think that's like that. That's something that is so easy to do, and then I wish more Christians kind of took that as one of the definitions of what it meant to be a Christian. And I, I think mean, you told me
1: that as my spiritual father. I have. Yeah.
0: Okay. Amen. <laughs> well, uh, it was it was probably something. It was probably something very specific, though. Like when this person did this you know my this nun did this and i'm like well pray for her
1: sure yeah
0: that's probably what it was not in general but i, I think in, and we should do that in general um but i also i also think that we need to get better about following the mandate i mean we're always like all catholics like oh yeah it says in the bible to confess your sins to one another and now that just means the priest but does it really <laughs> like like Yes, we go to the priest for sacramental, the mystery of repentance, mystery of penance, confession. Yes, we do go to the priest for that. But I don't think the church has ever defined, and I don't think it should. Sorry if it has. Sorry, church. Um, if it has. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, that, that we don't need to confess our sins to one another anymore because we have the priest.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, especially because we're supposed to be reconciled to one another in order to celebrate the liturgy together.
0: Exactly. So I have a confession, Mother. Okay. I'm sorry for saying you were naggy. I was trying to make people laugh. You mean during
1: during your prayer? (laughs) I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm
0: sorry, Jesus. I was using your prayer to try to make people laugh. I'm obviously quite insecure about my sense of humor. And see, Lord, Mother makes fun of me all the time for not being very funny. And so I have to go overboard. And I was using your prayer time, Lord, to try to be funny. So there's like, oh, there's just... I'm keeping a sinapons in here.
1: This whole apology was also just another way to make. I people apologize.
0: Laugh. <laughs> I apologize, Mother, for using the apology. Okay,
1: Father Michael, I forgive you for everything. Not make
0: you laugh, but to I make forgive you feel
1: bad. for everything. We need to okay. move on. We've been bantering for way too long.
0: Thank you for forgiving me. <laughs> All right. Um, so this episode. Is going to be, um, we have had so much good response from Mother's conversion slash vocation story that I'm going to tell my uh, conversion, uh, quote, conversion uh, slash vocation story. Um, Is that okay, Mother?
1: Yeah, you don't need my permission, but I'm really excited about it.
0: And I wrote down nothing. So I have no idea what's gonna come out of my mouth. I have no idea what I'm story. I didn't going write down story. anything
1: either for me. I have
0: no idea like what I'm gonna say what I'm not. So but that's okay. I I'm not, I'm not like nervous about that at all. Um
1: I mean you're just telling your life.
0: Yes. You don't need it, notes. So I would say my life my vocation story and my How did faith your parents
1: meet? Can you start with that?
0: I was even gonna go back further than that, actually.
1: Ooh, okay, great.
0: So so, Grandma and Grandpa O'Loughlin were high school, I think middle school sweethearts. maybe this is my dad's parents. They met in like maybe it was like third grade, I think it was oh, sorry, I can't ask Grammy she passed away a couple years ago, but like like they they met they met early, 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 and, and were sweethearts from early on and um got married they lived they met and and uh, began to raise their children in Brooklyn um. New York, that side of the family, Um, when I was probably 12 and my mom said to me, uh, be careful, Michael, Uh, be careful with drinking and smoking and gambling because nearly every male on both sides of your family has died because of one of those two things, one of those three things. And I was like, gambling? (laughs) Math was a word. (laughs) How do you die of gambling? And then I found out that my great-grandfather on my dad's side so my my dad's mom's dad um like just got totally into gambling in brooklyn got caught up with the mafia and um and w- he was not on the he was not on the mafia side he, he was on the <laughs> victim of the mafia side anyway That's i awesome. actually we shouldn't have laughed at I, that. it's not but i i met him when i was really young i remember we just called him pop um so uh I met him when I was really this young. This is your great grandfather. This is my great grandfather. Okay. He had uh he had come home and, and kind of scandalized my grandmother a couple of times by coming home beaten and bloodied. And um they eventually had to move out of their nicer place in Brooklyn into an apartment in Brooklyn that was really cheap just because of of financial woes. Um so that was that that side of the family raised my um their three children. Um in the faith and in their their Catholic faith. And my dad was the oldest of those three. Um, On my mother's side, uh, her dad was born in Cortez, Colorado um, and his parents were born in uh, the Pyrenees region between Spain and France, um, what we would call Basque. Um, That's where they were born. They were, they, I don't know when they moved to the U.S. That's a good question. But we just found out uh, recently that the man who my grandfather thought was his grandfather was not his grandfather. And we found this out from Ancestry.com. And my grandfather saw this man murdered in front of him when he was 10, when my grandfather was 10. Like, they were both riding horses, and a guy just jumped out of the bushes and murdered his father right in front of him. And then my grandfather said, you know... Turned the gun on him, but he added just a six shooter, and and that was it. So that was the Wild West. That would have been 1925 in Cortez, Colorado. Oh. um So anyway, but the man who was my great grandfather biologically um, was like the town mayor or something like that. And we don't quite know what happened. We can all guess, but it's, <laughs> it's not not that good to, to guess like that. My grandmother, on the other hand, was a Victorian princess in uh, Boston. And they, I believe they met, uh, if any family is listening, they can correct me. I believe they met because my grandfather during World War II was on a boat. He was in the army and they landed in Boston and they just got a bunch of Boston girls to come dance with the, with the soldiers who were on leave or on break. And that's how they met. Then they wrote a few times and then they got married and it was really not a good match. Um, my grandmother was like, a came over, had a lot of money when she came over from Ireland, um, and uh, her her family came over from Ireland, but they kind of lost it all pretty early. I think drinking, smoking, fighting, gambling all the all the hashtag Irish things you do when you get to this country. Um, so are you so making my note grandf- of
1: all these hashtags because you've already used a lot of hashtags this <laughs> episode, and, <laughs> and that was not, a really I, long one. <laughs> I
0: don't expect any of these to be on there. Um, so anyway, they met. Um, my grandfather was was a playboy from the beginning, and. Um, and my my grandmother, uh, they they lived okay um, until they had five children. My mother is the second to youngest, and then uh, and then they divorced. I think when I was maybe just born, like one year old. Um, anyway, my grandfather went off and and lived his playboy days and had different.
1: Wait, they divorced
0: when I was like when
1: you were born, like after yeah. you'd been born. They divorced when they had grandkids. Yeah.
0: At five children, exactly, and i am the i am Wow, the i feel like it's rare known. to hear
1: about divorces happening once you already have grandkids, like by that point in yeah. marriage
0: and and my, my the I have one older cousin who we never knew because it was not it was it was just not not a family thing where like we grew up together um my uncles claim they have probably have lots of other kids that they just don't know about because that's that's um, this is oldest. a really scandalous... <laughs> At least when they were young. Oh, I know. It's like, I'm just I'm sharing the stock I come from. And pretty much what I'm saying is that... Your mom is like, my, what are
1: you doing? <laughs> Telling everybody this.
0: No, it's like, I think this is important because that's the whole point is that my especially my mother is a living saint. Like, yeah. she like, the, the, it's she like grew up... It's like hearing
1: the genealogy of Jesus. <laughs> I'm, I,
0: I'm not even like... They literally, they... My mom spent time and i don't think she might be telling this when she was little her parents went off to i think somewhere in north africa to do some oil natural gas stuff left her left her and her, her sister pretty much with their brothers who lived in a commune and they didn't want to do christmas so They begged them to put up a little Christmas tree in the, in the commune, like house. And the only thing they could hang on the Christmas tree was they learned how to roll marijuana cigarettes, like for the members of the commune. And they'd like roll these and like (laughs) hang them on the tree. Mom, mom, mom. Uh, they may have been just tobacco cigarettes. I don't know, but th- that they were, they were definitely rolling <laughs> cigarettes. Like learned how to roll cigarettes when they were ten and twelve years old, and that's the decorations they hung on the tree because they couldn't everything else. So my mom, my mom just came out of this, and it was, it was all honestly a priest, Father John Fitzgerald, who, who she met at her parish when she was like twelve, and she started going to adult ed class, like a Bible study class he taught, and it just and and. She is a, a living saint. She just en- embraced the faith, engaged the faith. Um, my dad, when when they met and when they married, um, was I think what he would say is kind of a nominal Catholic. Um, it, it wasn't a real part of his life. Um, he was kind of struggling with uh, with some of the tenets. Um, I remember him saying when I was little, you know, the real presence of the Eucharist and things like that, which were like real struggles for him at the time when they got married. Um, but he persevered, and and he ended up by the time I remember his faith, it was very very deep, and um and he was a great example. My dad was a marine, um, and when he after after he got out of Vietnam, he moved to New Mexico, where his family was. That's where they met my mom. So my mom was in a class with his younger sister, my aunt Diane, and uh, and I think he used to drive them to school. So that mm-hmm. was so my mom. My I know that my dad was my mom's first real date. And uh, my mom, I think, was my dad's first real date. Although my mom claims that he had a bunch of Filipino girlfriends during the war, um, my, da- my dad says <laughs> that was just hanging out. We were in the Philippines, and we were, you know, just hanging out and, and going out with whoever was there. But I think my mom was my dad's first real date. Um, so anyway, I was. Uh, they met in Albuquerque, New Mexico, where I was born, and um, just I was born, baptized. The priest that kept my mom in the faith when she was young Father John Fitzgerald uh, baptized all of us I believe Um, he certainly baptized me Um, and we were raised in a very wonderful Roman Catholic household Um, we went to confession I think every other week from the time I can remember
1: to a priest Um, because that's the only time it's sacramental
0: exactly (laughs) (laughs) exactly and and it was it was it was Father John Fitzgerald who was just a very good confessor I shouldn't have said all of
1: that can we can we edit that out we should probably, I don't, okay. What part? All, all the stuff about the sacraments and the, I just, oh, no, it's whatever, fine. keep going. It's fine, okay.
0: it's good banter, <laughs> it's educational banter. Um, and uh, so anyway, so we grew up and we'd receive Eucharist almost every day. Hmm. Um, I'm the oldest of five, um, go to confession. uh, The priest would just give us. I know that this is frowned upon nowadays, but if he'd say he'd tell my mom like, "How are you feeling?" She was like, "Oh, I'm okay. I got a slight cough." Okay, did he give her the anointing of the sick? Like he would give her anointing of the sick. He'd give us the Eucharist. He'd give us all confession. Like he was just he understood the power of the sacraments mm-hmm. and he 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 gave them out as needed. If he saw us in church, he would pray for us during the. um What's intentions? it called, the, uh, the Purse, the Faithful Whitney. Intentions? Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, so he would pray for us then, like, specifically for the O'Loughlin family. Uh-huh. Um, so I grew up with a, just an am- amazing parents. My mom was the, was the one who educated us. She's the one who led prayer. We prayed every single night. Um, this is just an encouragement to you parents. We prayed every single night, and I know I've shared this before. I don't remember the context, though, but um, I had a friend, uh, shout out to Tina Callahan, who, who was get, going to marriage prep, And in marriage prep, they kind of, the person guiding them, as he should have said, he or she should have said, um, you know, what do you plan on doing for family prayer at night? And they were kind of like, both of them were sharing what they did, and she's like, we never liked family prayer. I'm Not that we never liked it, it's just, it wasn't as big of a draw for us. But then she remembered my family, she's like, your family always loved family prayer, because you prayed every single night. And so, uh, I I may have said this before, but what the conclusion Sheik came to, which I thought was brilliant, was that... um, if you if you give your kids consistency, if you pray every single night, they get used to praying every single night. Mm-hmm. Even if it's, I remember times when my mother would carry us in from the car, my dad would carry us in, lay us in bed, and my mom would just pray a Hail Mary, even if we were pretending to be asleep. Like mm-hmm. she'd pray a Hail Mary at the bedside <laughs> so we could hear it, you know, and we'd just pretend to be out. But i, I this, that, we never went the night mm-hmm. without prayer. Even if it was on the way home in the car, there was some sort of prayer that we prayed, and and my friend, Tina had this, she just said, you know, if you only pray every once in a while, or even not once or twice a week, don't pray with your kids, they're gonna hope that every night is that night, because kids don't like prayer. You know, they that there's always a time when they, they, they have better things to do, it's not entertaining when kids want entertainment, and and if there's a chance that we're not gonna pray tonight, then you're always hoping it's that night, when we don't pray, and every kid goes through that that phase. And so, if you do that, then they're hoping. And so when you say, "Okay, a little one, time to pray," they're gonna be like, "Oh, you know, we don't want to do this." But if you know you're gonna do it every single night, then why do that? You know, it's everything. Are you gonna whine every single night? Maybe some kids may, but you know, generally, if, if they've had that for their entire time growing up, it's just part of life. It's part mm-hmm. of life in the family. It's part of their relationship with God. Um, also, my parents would involve lots of smells and bells, like candles mm. and. Um, we'd light candles. We'd, we'd have what we called the quiet time. We'd, we'd have tea and and eat, eat not every night, but we'd, we'd eat, you know, desserts that my mom made. So it was a whole, it was a whole your thing. Your mom makes like great desserts. In the evening. She does. It was like, <laughs> it was like a whole thing in the evening. Um, and then I guess I, I mentioned this. I was, I was on the Chris Stefanik show for the AI just recently. And he asked just very innocently, like, so what's your conversion story? And I was like, you know what? I don't have one. I, I have never really thought that anything was better than being a Christian and being a Catholic. There there there's never been something that's come to my mind that said, this is more beautiful, more true, more good. Um, in my whole life there, there, and every time I sin, every time I, I do something, I act not according to that reality. I know I'm wrong. Mm. <laughs> like, like I know it's sin there. there I, I, there's nothing I say. I want to do this. I know it's not according to God, and I want to do it, but I also think that, that this is good or true or beautiful. Like, I, I know it's not. And the reason why I think God did this um, is, and I know my parents, played a major part in that, sort of my siblings, sort of my best friend, Eric, growing up, he was Lutheran, he's now a Lutheran minister, like, we kept each other good and, and, and Christian. But I think one of the reasons, my, what well, my parents did was they made Jesus very, very relevant. Like they brought him into mm-hmm. everything. And, and it was the, the relevance of a God who loves us and is gonna care for us and wants us to share his life for all eternity and uh, totally unnecessarily gave us his mother to be our mother too, and gave us all these saints with beautiful stories who, could, who we could talk to and they could talk to us I think I've shared before where I used to write saint stories on the I was at the bottom bunk and I'd write saint stories on the bottom of Sean. So Sean was above me, my brother. I'd write saint stories on the on the wood, you know. <laughs> and like my, my favorite saints, like I love the stories of the saints. And
1: is and, he like pretending the,
0: to fly airplanes in the top bunk? <laughs> yeah, no exactly. Yes. He was he was doing he's a pilot, so he was doing all the pilot <laughs> mechanic things. I was doing all the icons and, and saint stories things. Um, he's to this day much holier than I am, though. So somehow I'm um, doing planes and cars. He, him, he's a holy man. A lot holier than me doing saint stories. He is. Uh, I'm not. I'm not being facetious about yeah. that at all. He is. He is uh, one of the, uh, the. He's the one with nine kids, two adoptions. You know, just an amazing man, married an amazing woman. Uh, my whole family is, thank God. But um, but anyway. So yeah. So I have.
1: I have a thought on the. Please the, go
0: ahead.
1: So. Um, well, I don't want to. I don't want you to lose your train of thought either. But I, you know, I was talking to someone recently, a parent um, that I know, a friend of mine, and we were talking about the struggle of his his kids um, as they're starting to get older. They're starting their their homeschool family, and but they're starting to interact more, like to be around people who are more, maybe. Typical secular teenagers, right? Who are just not having great conversations, not using great language, things like that. Um, just like in public, you know. Um, and so he was like, "What do you? What do you do about that? Like, how do I?" And and I think that there's this balance between protecting the kids, but also not over sheltering them because then if they're too sheltered, then when they do encounter that as adults, then they're just gonna not even know what to do with life. And but I think that something that I I really see fostered in your family, especially now, like all the cousins have such a close relationship in your family. Mm-hmm. It's it's beautiful to see all the cousins playing together. And I think that there's this is one of the the significance of really trying to build to foster good relationships with your kids with other good kids, like your friend Eric that you're talking about, but even your siblings and so like your kids with their siblings and also with the other kids of the parish maybe or the wider community um, and and I don't just mean Catholic but just like good moral people because as they're surrounded by that it it's not it's not simply a matter of a good influence I think it's a matter of your your life you would have experienced a fulfillment and an edification within relationship that once you've experienced that you know what it is to be fulfilled in relationship. Like I I lacked that so much growing up and and not not to my not to my parents' fault. Um but i just like i didn't have those good and holy friendships and because of that as i was growing up and as i as i got older i really felt an ache for something like i was longing i was grasping and so i was trying to fulfill that to fill that ache in all the ways that society told me <laughs> would fill the ache but like you were never deceived into thinking this other thing will fill the ache like you knew what it was to have those good and fulfilling relationships
0: yeah and and that certainly is very true for the deeper things but as i'll get to like <laughs> i was definitely not like I'm going to go home and pray and help my mom with the chores like, like, <laughs> sure. after school. Like it, it wasn't, it, I, I, I certainly had a, as every kid does and you can have the most amazing parents in the world and still have your kid go crazy. Mm-hmm. And Jesus was the most amazing pastor in the world and he still had Judas leave. He most amazing mm-hmm. Bishop of the world. I mean, like <coughs> Jesus lost one, a rebel who betrayed him. Like if Jesus is going to lose one, then, then, then every parent needs to understand that they could be, perfect Mm -hmm. like jesus was you still may you know you still may have the devil um be able to influence in a way that that is going to draw your child away from the faith you know Mm -hmm. and 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 this is this is why we're all independent as well as judas was Um, so but with with this kind of beautiful upbringing, and I, as I've said before, I grew up in Albuquerque, and it wasn't until later, till middle school and high school, that I kind of experienced the craziness of what Albuquerque was, and maybe still is today. I don't know; I haven't been back in a while, but it's just there. There's um, it's it's a, a dangerous place. I mean, there was a lot of drugs, a lot of gangs, things like this, and and we we encountered those pretty personally. I mean, it, it was in our schools. I went to 12 years of public school. It was in the school. It was on the bus. I took the city bus to school to middle school. Took the, you know, school bus before that um, to elementary school. Um, in high school, I rode my bike or drove or walked. You know, um, but there was there there was a lot going on. But I remember, as I, and I've said this before too, that as crazy as the world was. That wasn't real, mm. and I. This is a conclusion I came to just a couple of years ago. But like, home was real. Mm. That's where. That's where the family was. That's where love was. That's where true safety was. That's where we could engage with questions and be dynamic and and have hobbies and and learn. I mean, all these things were happening at home. Um. So that was the real world, and then we kind of went out into the other world and took from what we could. Um. But it was just that that sense of you know I would say you know. Protect your homes, make sure your homes are places where your children can can identify with the real world and what the world should be mm-hmm. you know in a sense so that they can go out into other things and experience and not be sheltered but go out to the world but but still be able to judge the world rightly, say this is good and this is evil um, by kind of having something at home that is good to base to base all that on. Um, so when I was five, um, this is kind of where the vocation story begins. When I was five, I, we had, I remember, like kindergarten, maybe first grade, something. I was very young. And uh, we had a, 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 a video we watched at school that had like all the different, a bunch of different ideas, things you can be when you want to grow up, things you can be when you grow up, um, things you want to be when you grow up. That's what I meant. Um <laughs> <laughs> and it had all these different occupations, you know, astronaut and lawyer and doctor and nurse and, and teacher and, you know, all these different things that it kind of showed a little little 30-second clip of each one. And one of them was like a, a, a miner, you know, it showed a, of, like, a guy mining coal. Um, and I had learned at some point that, that diamonds were just compressed coal, right? Pressure and time. Um, by the way, uh, shout out to Mike Miley. Um, our, who you know, mm-hmm. Mike Miley from from yes. our outreach, he's in a band called Rival Sons, and I think their most popular CD to this date is called uh, Pressure and Time. Oh, and I it, it took me a while to realize what that was a reference uh-huh. to. But like, you know, I don't they, think I would have caught
1: that until you said it either.
0: Yeah, I have I have I have one of their tour shirts, and it's it shows a, a cougar sitting on top of a.
1: Of course, you do. It's like a
0: a clock. A clock with a. I, there must be some pressure gauge or somewhere. Anyway, so those two things. That's the logo for that CD.
1: Ask Mike anyway, Miley where my tour shirt is.
0: You didn't go on the tour. So. I went to a show. <laughs> you need to go out there and headbang bang in your in your face hole,
1: um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> in your habit. <laughs>
1: Face hole um, is what we call the veil because yeah.
0: it's just a <laughs> hole
1: that your face goes through.
0: <laughs>
1: all right.
0: <laughs> all right. Continuing on. Um, anyway, but I learned that through pressure and time and coal becomes diamonds. And uh, and so I thought, well, I don't want to mine coal. I want to mine diamonds. And that will I'll be a lot richer than if I mine coal. So I came, I drew a picture. We all drew pictures of it. I drew a picture of me being a diamond miner. And I we were coming home. My mom again, public school, of course. They weren't going to talk about anything religious. I came home, and my mom's like, "Oh, great! You know, you could be a great diamond miner." And I'm like, "Mom, I'm brilliant. Nobody else knows this. Like, I, you know, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna be the richest man in the world because I'm the only one that knows how to mine diamonds out of coal mines." You know? Oh my gosh. Um, so anyway, my like your says, yeah, plan,
1: that. your plan was to get the coal and then put it under pressure to become diamonds.
0: I don't know what I thought. I just, I thought, <laughs> I thought, I thought I had some esoteric hidden knowledge.
1: I know what else i like, thought if, of.
0: <laughs> if you could just get coal out of a mountain, which is what the guy was doing in this video, which I put on my thing, I was like, like then, then, like, yeah, we'll make that diamonds. Like, like we'll, we'll, we'll somehow either mine diamonds or make it coal into diamonds or something. I don't know what I thought, but it was. A little little kid's little kid's thought. That's anyway, so I came home cute. and my mom said, "For the first time, you know, or you could be a priest. You know, just they're not going to tell you that in public school, but just you could be a priest." And I thought, "Oh!" And I still remember looking at the photo, uh, looking at the drawing of me mining diamonds. And um, by the way, and imagining if you a
1: collar, <laughs> right?
0: If you've heard, I did, I did this before, and that's why I didn't write now. because I didn't want to repeat myself, although I'm going to repeat myself. I did this for a Catholic stuff too. So if if you've listened to the Catholic stuff. Um you should know episode called Tsunami Ninja. That is my vocation story and my conversion story. So I'm trying to bring out some a few different things oh. in this one. Um just because I it's already out there and most of you who came over from Catholic stuff have probably already heard it. So anyway, you've heard you've heard that story before. Um, so then I I discovered girls. Wait, you
1: said two you remembered looking at the later. picture. You I, look, I remember that. looking
0: at the picture, and, and and like I still remember what it looks like, and then oh. hearing my mom say, or you could be a priest. Okay, got it. And like I didn't know much about the priest, except he was up there, and he prayed, and we got Eucharist from him. You know, that there wasn't, um, and I, I hadn't been my first confession yet, so we weren't really doing that. I was the oldest in the family, so kind of all of those those sacraments given to us happened later than that. Hmm. Um, but it, it was still an intriguing thing. Um I just want to kind of pick and choose where I go from here. So there's things I'm certain things I'm leaving out, of course. But um, my first kiss was in fifth grade. Um, I'm sorry, first grade. It was on a school trip, and there was it was my mom driving me and one other first grader in the back of the car, and she literally. You're gonna see this. This is a this is a a reoccurring theme of my life. Is is very. Powerful women. <laughs> <laughs> um, very independent. The first uh, being powerful, your mom. Strong women. The first being my mother, of course. And, um, and then, so this girl literally, like, my, my mom just had a blanket. Like in the back seat, and she threw the blanket over our heads, and then just like kissed me. The in girl, first grade. The
1: girl threw the, the blanket. girl did. Yeah.
0: The girl threw the blanket over my head and kissed me, and like on the way to some school trip, that it was only the two of us in the back, <laughs> and then another girl kissed me like in in some drainage tubes we had as playthings in our in our elementary school uh, yard, you know. Um, so so. I remember then being in second grade and I, we met this girl named Danielle at the, at the supermarket across the street from our house. I didn't know she lived in the same neighborhood. And she was in my class. And so I, saw, I was like, mom, that girl's in my class. And so my mom went over to talk to her mom and they got talking and talking and talking and talking. So Danielle and I then, and so literally my mom just invited them over to our house. So Danielle and her mom come over to my house. I'd never talked to Danielle in my life. And, <laughs> and, and so now she's, she's like, I'm giving a tour of my room. And we open up one of my drawers and we have like a a book on flowers. Like, here's a bunch of different flowers. Well, Danielle decides that I, in second grade, am going to bring her a flower every single day. And she gets to (laughs) choose the flower from this book. So she says, Tomorrow you're bringing me this one. Now, these are like, Flowers around the world. And so she chooses one that's only in Japan and Northern Asia. And I'm like, where am I going to find this flower? So, like, the whole day, the next day, I get up early, I go to the bus early, oh. I'm scouring people's yards looking for a flower that looks anything like oh, the one that so Danielle cute. wanted that day. And I got to school, and I had the wrong flower, obviously. And, and she just yelled at me and chased me around the, the, the school ground. And I'm like, how, how, how do I deal with this woman? Anyway, it was, it was like, I was just lost. and why I bring her some random flower until I don't even know how that relationship ended. Um, but young love <laughs> in second grade ended somehow in a very, what turned out to be a very toxic relationship, I'm, I'm realizing now. Um, Anyway, I, I grew up <laughs> we need to get and Casey I,
1: back on to do some counseling.
0: Right, right <laughs> exactly. Um, I grew up and I actually kind of left the idea of the priesthood behind. I was still a very faithful kid. I prayed the rosary as often as I could. I actually used to pray the rosary walking to high school every single day. Hmm. Like, that's, that's, how, that's how holy I was. Like, it, I was... I, I prayed multiple times a day. I talked to our Lord. I meditated on saint stories, but I, I had all these other desires that just came up. I wanted to be, you know, a, a counselor. I wanted to be a doctor. I wanted to do all these things, mostly things that helped other people. Um, some things that 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 I was going to get money. Um, but that's that's what I told. That's what I told Chris on the show. I forgot to go there. I got distracted, Perla. Um, I got like I, I think our Lord just overwhelmed me with his grace because he knew that if I ever lost my faith, I probably would have not have come back. Mm. Um, and nobody can say that, but in all honesty, I was just talking to someone about this the other day, like I don't have the curiosity in me to seek out the truth. I don't even have built in me a real desire to, to put truth above subjective pleasure. Mm. Like truth, beauty, and goodness are not something that that I think I would have been drawn to if I hadn't <clears throat> had the foundation for my parents. So I never left the faith because I would I would be in hell. Like there I don't I don't have almost any doubt that that I would have pursued other things. I would have I would have become a billionaire and thrown a lot of people under the bus or I would have died. Like one of the two. I I, I don't think I would have found this world worth living in unless the whole world was open to me. Like if I said it's not, it's not worth living unless I say, you know what, I feel like having lunch in Paris, and I'm gonna go get my private jet and fly to Paris just for lunch. And then, you know what, I'm gonna decide when I'm there, you know what, I'm gonna take the whole week here. And I spend the whole week in Paris, and I'm gonna be looking, I'm gonna be looking for all the pleasures of this world, and that, I probably would've gotten sick of that so quickly, and then just despaired. And then, you know, so I, I would've become another Anthony Bourdain, I would've become like, just someone who, who was living the life, and that was not enough. Um, And I probably would've killed myself, you know? So I, 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 there's just, our Lord knew what he was doing. um, And he, he just overwhelmed me with grace, with good parents, with that relevance. um, And certainly a desire to be helpful. I, I, once I kind of overcame the stage of, I guess I'm, I guess I'm Christian now and what does make life worth living? I realized it was self gift. Mm -hmm. It was kenosis. It was, it was, you know, making sure that I don't put myself first, but rather I think of others. Um, and that's obviously not, I wasn't doing that every day. I was just, I was saying, that's the ideal. When I think of my big V vocation, like what I'm going to do the rest of my life, that's the only thing that makes sense to really throw myself into. And then of course I failed and failed and failed and failed. Um, but I just, just to be quick, I, um, what I was referencing earlier when I got into middle school, um, I just became a total brat. And, and life was not invigorating enough for me. I didn't have, have nearly enough adventure, so I caused all kinds of trouble. Um, me and my friends would get in fights all the time. We would, if, whether we won the fight or not, we would do all of this just kind of cowardly stuff to hurt the people we were in fights with, like behind their backs and things like this. Um, you know, we, we thought it was fun to put on ninja masks in like sixth grade and, and run in during lunch break, run and throw people's yard furniture up in their tree, you know, um, just like, just to cause trouble. Like, I think, I think we wanted to make an impact on the world. We wanted to affect people's lives. Like Mm. we wanted to make an impact on people's lives. And since we really weren't directed to do that through our school in any good way, we were just doing it in a bad way. You know, we, I, I got into high school and we'd leave for lunch and I'm I'm sure I've shared the story before about I had a fake gun and I caused a, a guy on a motorcycle to wreck going like 35 miles per hour, 40 miles per hour. He wrecked because he was trying to shoot back because he had a real gun and, and, and ended up running and then turning myself in because my friends got caught and getting in big trouble. But I looked like I was eight when I was actually, what, 12 or 14. I was 14 at the time. <laughs> I looked like I was eight. So the guy just like dropped all charges because I looked so young. Thank God he wasn't hurt that bad. Um... Anyway, I, I just school was a breeze. I was not an academic kid, but I, I charmed my way and got my way through all of high school, graduated with a pretty good gpa three point two or something i think um, gpa uh, and then but I graduated again i 'm I'm just going to talk all the negative things now and i over i understand these are there 's a lot of negative things but um, all through high school, we had one vice principal that would see us based upon our last name. So, like, th- like there were mm. like four vice principals in my, in my high school. When we got in trouble, we'd go to the one that would handle all the kids with with with, with, with this range of last names. So I went to the same one. So every time I, I got thought, trouble, was,
1: I definitely thought at first that you were talking about about racism, <laughs> like like that there would be or or based on your ethnicity. <laughs> oh, it was yeah, like no. all the Irish, like ones? all the Irish. Yeah, that's literally what I thought you.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, 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 it was like it was just like based upon where you were in the alphabet. Got it. Yeah. So like M through P, you know, um, whatever it was. So so I went to the same guy, and I got in trouble for stupid things like. Making fun of a teacher or putting inappropriate like signs up on the teacher's wall or drawing things on the chalkboard. So when they opened the the map, there uh-huh. was something on there that was you know we did all these things and we got caught very often. And we got away a lot. We got away with it a lot too. So, but it, it was I remember I even forget what it was. I got called into the principal's office something when I was a senior. Like this is when I was seventeen. Um, <laughs> I got called in the principal's office again. And I think he was just kind of at wits' end. He's like, You know, you're almost done. Just like get through this, get through school, go on to whatever you can do with your life after this. You've gotten in trouble. Get so out of many my times. hair,
1: basically, is what he's saying. Yeah, it
0: was like, and, and we would do stupid things like we'd break kids' locks off their off their lockers just by kicking them. You know, we'd we, we break the locks off and steal their locks. We never would have stolen anything from them inside because that would be stealing. But for some reason, <laughs> in me and my friend's minds, stealing the lock off wasn't stealing. Um, actually we never got caught for that. We'd go and we'd we'd like throw them against the wall in this in this underpass underneath the uh, underneath the bridge. Um anyway, I'm going late. We we did we got in a lot of trouble. A lot of us breaking and entering stuff. We would break into our high school in the middle of the night we'd sneak out of the house, break into our high school through the air conditioning vents in the in the ceiling and just steal keys from the janitor's office and just kind of, you know, just knowing we could get in. It was a lot of it was a lot of just troublemaking. I think it, it was the—we wanted to make an impact, but we also wanted the rush. Like we wanted the, like we were very, very close to getting caught, and we weren't getting caught. We wanted the rush of of doing something and seeing if we could. My dad caught us sneaking out one time when I was probably seventeen, eighteen years old. Caught me and Eric sneaking out, um, and and he's like, "Why did you do that?" And I was like. You just want to see if we could. We'd literally like put the car in neutral and roll it down the street until we could start it up. And then we'd roll it back in neutral into the parking lots just so we wouldn't wake my parents up. And we'd have a, like a, a latch on the back door so we could sneak in. Anyway, all these things that were just, it was, it was I think it was grasping at making an impact in the world mm-hmm. and just the excitement of, of the adrenaline rush of, if I get caught for this, I'm gonna be in trouble. Mm-hmm. All of this led to me talking back to the vice principal and getting kicked out of high school second semester of my senior year. Um, and a lot of it had to do with with I was mostly my fault. I I mean it was my fault, but it was the even even the getting kicked out was my I, I embraced it. Mm-hmm. I was like, I'm done, I'm done. And I I went home. My mom, at this point, was homeschooling my other siblings because the public school system was just so bad and so dangerous. It was really, it was like a danger to our health. It was really because
1: they were like, "Please, no more O'Lacklins." <laughs> right.
0: right. <laughs> no, my gosh, none of them were bad like me.
1: I know, but like, I'm saying that the, t- the principals yeah. would have just seen the last name and been like, "Oh, yeah, no.
0: <laughs> right." But they, so they kicked me out. I, my parent, my mom was homeschooling, so I went and got a diploma from Seton Homeschool. Um, because I took two classes and got my diploma there year after I went to public school my whole career mm. got my diploma from a home school um, went to Thomas Aquinas College for a year, failed out of that uh, came home, went to community college, did okay in community college, went to the University of Steubenville, and that is where my vocation really like mm. got embraced i i was offered to join the pre-theology program there, which was a discernment a house of discernment, like a, a community of men discerning priesthood. Um, I said no, because I had not dated a good Catholic girl. My my year, I didn't date in high school. I did not date my first year at Thomas Aquinas. Um, I did date when I came home for community college, but they were all just secular girls. Um, like there was really no embracing of, is this going to work? Am I going to marry this girl? It was just, I just <clears throat> want to have fun. Um, never anything sexual, thank God, um, but just, just kind of having fun going out. Um, and then at Steubenville, I, I did not join the program even though it was a scholarship attached to it um, because I wanted to date a good Catholic girl and I did. And I, I dated one girl um, named Bridget and it was really cool. And she was kind of the friend of a friend and we dated for like two months. And then one night we were praying in the Adoration Chapel and she dumped me in the Adoration Chapel mm-hmm. at the Pretty uncle Chapel. Um, she told me that she had promised God that she would not date. It's very stupid to do a dating fast. She said that she had promised a dating fast, but then when when we got close, she just kind of gave up on the dating fast because she wanted to date. Um, but uh, And then later on, the, a mutual friend of ours told me that it was actually because I had mentioned the priesthood. And um, at that point I had attended a Byzantine liturgy a few times, and I, my parents are going to Byzantine church back home, and I had gone there during my year home in community college, um, but I really was not very eloquent about, I could be a married priest, or I want to be a married priest, or anything like that. Um, and we were at Steubenville, so disel- discernment of celibacy was a very important thing. So anyway, she may have dumped me because I mentioned priesthood too many times and totally understood. Um, she had every right to do that because uh, she probably knew that my whole heart wasn't in it because I was discerning celibacy as well, and her whole heart was in it because she was definitely discerning marriage. Mm. And that's just an unfair relationship when when, when it's just very unevenly uh, matched and uh, unevenly burdened. What's the phrase from the scriptures? Un- unequally yoked. Thank you, unequally yoked. Mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, can I, I- Can I
1: interject real quickly there? Absolutely. It's very quick. Um, sure. When I went to Steubenville for the first time, uh, I don't know if you remember this, but when I went to St. for the first time, I was in—I was here at the monastery, and I'd been here for maybe a year or something. I don't remember. Uh, it was yes, because it was shortly before my tonsure, and I was like, "Hey, I'm going to Franciscan. I've never been there. Where should I pray?" And you mentioned that chapel, and the the Chapel, uh huh. And so I go there and I pray, and I just start crying in gratitude and praying. In gratitude for the gift of your fatherhood, because it was in that chapel um, in which you being dumped led you to become fruitful <laughs> as a father in the way that you are, in some sense. And Amen. so it was like you being dumped there enabled you to be my spiritual father. So,
0: Amen. yeah, well, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate that. That makes it much more beautiful.
1: Um, <laughs> Before it was just, that's and then where I, I got
0: process for the rest of the time, exactly. <laughs> Um, so then it was, I, I met some friends. Um, I had a friend, shout out to, to Connor Gallagher. Um, we met because- All
1: these Irish names. Fitzgerald, yes, Gallagher. Yeah, that's
0: true. And Ryan Monk, my other friend. Uh, Pat Crawford, not exactly Irish. But anyway, th- it was the four of us that were, were best friends at Steubenville, really. I, I had later Greg Henderson and um, many other, Jay Mello, a bunch of other friends after that. But anyway, it was, it was, that, that was kind of my core Um, But the, uh, so Connor, I met Connor because he was, he, I was some nerdy looking squirrely kid and he was like a basketball, six foot basketball, good looking guy. And, and there was a girl I was hanging out with that he's like, why is that girl? That pretty girl hanging out with that <laughs> that weird looking squirrely guy, and so like literally he came over when I was talking with her and just like butted in, and I was I was like who is this guy you know, but but I, I was I was friendly enough where I, I was like all right you know so we got talking and anyway he and I became to this day we're like really close friends, um, but it was it was kind of funny how that how that anyway he's the one who eventually said I'm joining the pre theology program. And his dad is a book publisher. He says, I will give you a four-volume breviary set um, if if you join the pre-theology program with me. That's pretty cool. Um, so I did. And um, the pre-theology program at Mill, Living Stones, meant that you could not date seriously. Um, so I, that was, I the priesthood all, you know, I never didn't want to be a priest. The priesthood, like, the idea of having a, quote, job That was completely focused on Jesus, and completely involved one hundred percent giving Christ to people in a way that is totally supernatural and not based upon my skills almost at all. And the 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 amplification of grace is within the ministry. Was there there like who wouldn't want to be a priest? Like I I always said that who wouldn't want to be a priest? Mm -hmm. I mean, this was before the pedophilia scandals and things that made it made it a little bit harder to be a priest in society. Um, but I, but it was celibacy was the big thing, and again, I, I at this point I was just participating in the Roman Catholic world much more than the Byzantine Catholic world because I was there and it was I didn't have a car, and it was just access to the mass and it was of course all the beautiful things that go on there, um. And it was after discerning that I met the women that would have been my wives if if I had discerned marriage. Like these women were absolutely incredible, mm-hmm. and I. I met them while I was discerning, and I think that was another grace of God. Like he, he just protected me because I was so dedicated to my discernment of celibacy. But these women were absolutely incredible. Um, I'm not going to name them all just um, because it may make things awkward. But um, women that I never officially dated, but just had, were so close with, and the protection of discerning allowed that. And um, and thank God I had the grace at the time to to want to protect my discernment of celibacy and really think through. And so I was discerning the whole time. I was open to marriage. Later on, like junior, senior year, I was actually becoming fully Byzantine. Mm -hmm. And I I was getting right to Byzantine parishes, and I was talking to my Byzantine pastor back home. And that's when I was like, okay, the married priesthood could be a thing. And so I started opening myself up again to the idea of marriage. Um, And that was where twice, and we're, we're running a bit short on time, so twice our Lord in pretty explicit ways, um, one especially, and I'll tell that story just real quick, um, guided me towards celibacy. And that was, um, to make a long story really short, I walked around Europe with this girl that I was just head over heels for. And it was when I was in, in Austria, the Stupinville. She doesn't know this to this day, by the way. Like she has no idea. <laughs> She's um, finding so that, out I, right now. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to say her name either. But like there was this girl, and we yeah, went all to the Rome. girls who
1: wandered all over Europe and said could, Steubenville will have will wonder which one it was. <laughs> well, yeah.
0: <laughs> but but like so, this girl, she and I paired off to walk around Rome, and she and I paired off to walk around the Sicily. And she bought me a St. Benedict medal and slipped it in my pocket one night because I said, oh, you don't buy yourself when you buy one with somebody else. So she bought it somehow over your CC, sit in my pocket, discovered that night. It was just like, it was so beautiful. And and her her faith and um, what were we were able to talk about and the most beautiful places in the world, Rome and Assisi and just bonding. And again, she, maybe maybe I was nothing to her. I don't know. There were a couple of things that kind of helped me think, nope, she's she's. Feeling it too, like like there, there's definitely a like she's not hating this, um and it's it's you know there, there's definitely some flirtation going on, and again, I could be wrong, but I, I certainly felt it a bit, so um it was in my final like I was like, lord, I'm getting no push from you to ask this girl out like I know the Mary <clears throat> priesthood is on the horizon, I know we could make it work if it's your will, um but man i I'm just not feeling any encouragement from you to ask this girl out, I really do think. Um, so anyway, I've just told the story so many times. I'm just like, I I'm just, I'm just kind of want to skip ahead. I know it's new to some of you, but I, I told our Lord, okay, Lord, I'm going to ask her out then. And you have to stop me if you don't want me to do it. Instead of telling me to do it, you have to stop me. I do think that's an, actually an honest, very honest part of the sermon. If we're not mm-hmm. feeling anything from God, say, Lord, this is what I want to do, and I'm going to do it and stop me. and Give me the humility to stop doing it if you stop me. Um, and that, that sometimes that's what our Lord Asks of us um, for various reasons. So, anyway, he stopped me. I, I, I had zero nerves at all about this. I, I was 99% sure she'd say yes. I knew where I was going to take her. I was so incredibly happy. I walked from my room up to hers. And when I got to her door, I just could not knock. Like, and it wasn't nerves. It wasn't like, you know, um, butterflies in the stomach. It was just a deeper, deeper anxiety mm-hmm. about this. So I walked immediately down to the chapel and I sat in the chapel and that was the most, one of the most powerful prayer experiences I ever had was that night. I sat in the chapel and I, I, and I know the Orthodox, the Eastern churches, uh, you know, are very careful about imaginative prayer, but it was a very beautiful thing for me at that time. And I I just I was like, well, our Lord works through living something. This is why I've told many of my spiritual children, those of you that my spiritual children know this, that you just have to choose one thing and live it and then see if you have peace or anxiety in it, you know. You can't weigh marriage and celibacy because marriage will always win because it's natural. We've talked about this before. So I I imagined being married and I imagined um, just being at home with this woman and having like 10 kids running around and having a nice big home with a fireplace. My wife and I are sitting there drinking tea and, you know, taking care of the kids and the kids love each other. It was like, that's just like I, I, idyllic home with it is not real, you know, but it was just, I, I imagine the most ideal family situation with this woman as my wife, a bunch of kids, good job, comfortable life, beautiful icon corner, all these things. And I, on the surface, I was just like smiling. I was probably sitting there with a just really weird, awkward smile on my face <laughs> in the pew of the church, just like imagining how beautiful this life would be. But deep down there was in a place I really can't explain. I'm still not eloquent about it. I just, I was so anxious. I was like, there's just something about that life. Even if I make it the ideal, that's just not sitting right with me. I mean, anybody would want this. I want this. Anybody would want this. Mm. And I was like, well, let me consider the opposite then. And I was like, okay, celibacy. I've been just doing celibacy for a while now. If I imagined like just this dark, dank house with like, <laughs> you know, the, the HVAC is out and it's either really hot or really cold. And I come home and I've had a rough, rough day in the parish and I just need someone to talk to and there's nobody there. No wife, no kids, nothing. I go to an empty rectory. Hashtag
1: lonely time. (laughs) Hashtag lonely time.
0: And and it's just like, what do I do? What do I do, Lord? And I remember thinking, our Lord just very explicitly said, you can handle that because you will have me. Mm. And your wife won't be there all the time. I will, your kids won't be there all the time. You'll misunderstand your wife. Like all the things that you're creating this idyllic situation are just not real. being married is a complete joy. You were created for it, but it's also a cross. And the same thing is true for celibacy. Um, And so I just thought, you know, I want the adventure in that moment. I want the adventure of the outside looking horrible and lonely and, and cold and, and everything about it. But I know I have access to God. And if I'm celibate, I'll need to have that. Like God will be, everything that makes my life worth living and nothing else and and celibacy is the really the only way to live that adventure this radically and be because i will i will die of loneliness i will die of of having my human needs unmet unless i rely upon christ for everything Mm. um so that was really the most i had a couple falls after that where i kind of forgot that I had to turn celibacy and <laughs> was hanging out with girls way too much um but but that was the moment when I realized in a very very powerful way if if I if I'm not going to date this girl I don't think I'll ever find a better one mm. like in my mind I was probably infatuated I was probably making up things about her character that may not have even been there but she was an amazing girl and um I was just head over heels for her and uh and so I, that, that, that was the moment where I walked out. I think I even told my roommate, Ryan, I was like, dude, I think I'm, I'm called to celibacy. And he's like, That's, wouldn't you have told me that yesterday? I was like, yes, I would have. But, <laughs> but like, this, this was real, like mm-hmm. this was real, real. Um, yeah, and the call to celibacy was, was the hard part. Mm-hmm. Call priest, it was not. Um, after that, then yeah, I went right from Steubenville to the Byzantine Catholic Seminary, changed rights my senior year of college. Went to seminary after that, um, had four beautiful years. I actually really liked seminary. I had Father Jack Custer, shout out to him. He doesn't listen to podcasts. Um, he literally wrote me a message saying, um, I'm, gonna, I'm gonna look it up so I'm saying this because I want to read it word for word because I think it's hilarious and I don't think he'd mind me saying it. Um, so Father Jack Custer is, speaks 19 languages. Um, he has his life completely together. Um, he's the pastor of the cathedral <laughs> out in Passaic, New Jersey. Um, like he just, he, everything he does is completely intentional. Mm-hmm. And he re- re- remembers everything he ever learned. Um, I'm obviously being a bit generalizing here. This I know is a hagiography actually, here.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean,
0: it, it, it is, it is. And so this is what he writes me okay, period, podcast, period. Been there, done that, period. Don't get it, period. God bless you for doing it, all the people who do. (laughs) (laughs) i was like, oh my gosh. I need to, I haven't even responded to that yet. I need to respond. It's like, he's like, he's trying, he loves me. So he's trying to like, you do this thing called a podcast. I'm going to see, if I can, it's like a good dad, right? I'm going to, I'm going to dabble in the things you like. I mean, listen to your, your crazy alternative rock sublime music. And, and then they're like, nope, don't get it. Sublime name no sense to me, whatever. You know? And that's what he's like, like pot, you like podcasts, you do podcasts, but sorry, I know I love you, but it's just, I'm not, I'm not going to get into this. Um, Mostly because he has his life completely together. Um, but anyway, yeah.
1: <laughs> that's not to say that all of our listeners are complete mess or something. <laughs> that's what like. <laughs> all of you like. are
0: complete messes. <laughs> Welcome to the club, listeners. We're, we're complete messes as well. Um, so anyway, he he was at the seminary. He was my in my one of my just greatest inspirations there. Um, when he was a professor there and the academic dean there, and um, so anyway, and then yeah got ordained a priest in 2005 my first assignment was denver colorado second assignment is now in southern california i absolutely love being a priest still in the honeymoon phase um still see it in like all of its infatuation and romanticized glory and our lord gives me all these graces somebody said we were talking about class and i said well, when i was in denver the roman seminary was literally down the street from my house and i could walk there in five minutes and i said they used to let me take any class i wanted to for continue, continuing education and um, and I was talking actually shout out to Maddie I was talking to her about this, and uh, and I was like yes yeah, so I got to take any class for free and I was like and she's like well that's a good thing you know priests should have benefits like that in seminaries mm. like they should give priests you know cheaper ways or free ways of getting further education I'm like yeah the same thing happens in restaurants like you know you get free beers and <laughs> I, I get I get free <laughs> drinks in many restaurants and so, like that that that's a good thing for being a priest even in Los Angeles California anyway. It was funny. Um, all right.
1: That is not why anyone. Any questions, a Mother? I forget <laughs> do not, anything do not that's wear your robe, your long robes, in the marketplaces in order to get free beers.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Ouch! You can. Uh, you just rocked my mind. Am I doing that? Am I breaking scriptural <laughs> mandates? <laughs> I hope not.
1: Oh, Mother, sorry, Mother. I'm, am I? I'm a hashtag nag again. I
0: don't know. Oh my gosh! I need to hashtag pray about that. Um, <laughs>
1: Oh my gosh, I, you're having a real crisis that? right now.
0: Am I? I am. am Are, you I need to have your crisis off the show for alcohol? I'm sorry.
1: You need to have <laughs> your crisis off the show because you're a little bit breaking down right now.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I I know what I'm doing is right. I just and maybe it needs to be honed and pure. I life. thought you were
1: going to say I know what I'm doing.
0: It's wrong. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I that happens in my life. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, so that was. I don't really have a conversion story because God knows I would have been a. I would have been a horrible, horrible person if you'd let me have a <laughs> falling away. Um, and then, yeah, celibacy was the big discernment, and he did that through peace and anxiety and a deep, deep peace and a deep anxiety and don't care about the surface. Things are going to happen on the surface. The devil can impact that, and we impact that too much, but real discernment comes through deep, deep, and and long-lasting. I mean, all this happened over the course of years, too, and then... the. Peace maintained about celibacy, um, and they somehow let me reordained a priest. That's great. I failed my master's program twice. Sorry, I'm going to talk about these things because, like, just to give hope to those who struggle with <laughs> academics and want to be priests. Like, I failed my master's program twice. Yeah. At Duquesne, and then finally, I got it the third time around after I was already ordained. <laughs>
1: That's great. Thank you.
0: Any questions, Mother? Did I forget anything you know about that you think is important um, for our listeners?
1: I have one story that I want you to tell. I know we're we're going long on time, but this is a really good one. Can you can you share what your mom said um when you told her that you were in love? When you were a kid?
0: Oh when I was a kid. Yeah. I do you know what I'm that? talking about? Yes, I do. Because it's um, so
1: beautiful. Like apart from even your vocation story, everyone needs to hear this. Everyone needs to hear this. <laughs>
0: Um, so I remember being in third grade, and I was I was in third grade love infatuation with a little girl that sat right across from me, and um, I think it was probably the, maybe the first time where we had our desks that way because I remember like we had, we were groups of four, mm-hmm. and so like my I faced this girl like the whole day, and so you know we'd get talking and things. I remember coming home when I was in third. How was how old was I in third grade? Eight, um. nine. Eight or nine. Yeah, eight or nine. Okay, and I came home, and I was like, "Mom, I met the girl. I'm gonna marry like and and I told her she's just right across from me." And she's really pretty, and she laughs at my jokes, and she, she listens. It's to It's always me, been important
1: to I you. Know, it has
0: always been important to me. Um, and she's a nice, strong woman. It's also been very important to me. And, and I'm try sure a strong woman. She was eight. Um, anyway, she, she, had, she had she had had the seeds of. A, I'm sure became a very strong. Woman. I don't even remember her name right now. And my mom's like, okay, okay. She always did, okay, like you could you could be a diamond miner, but. Or and I said that you can be diamond and you can also be a priest. Okay, you can marry this girl. And she said, just know that you will fall in love with any person, especially any girl you spend enough time with, because every girl is worthy of love. Mm-hmm. And if you spend enough time with her, you will realize that. And and obviously being eight the, the, the love was very, very pure. And it was just, I just want to hang around you more. I want to talk to you. I want Mm -hmm. you to look at me. I want you to laugh at me. I want to laugh at you, you know, um, not at you with you. Um, (laughs) so I like that. That's what it was. And and, yeah. (laughs) And my mom just said, just know that everybody's worthy of love and you spend enough time, you will realize that's the case Mm -hmm. and you will love them. Um, and that, that, that I've carried with me to my whole life in, in realizing that, um, that everybody is worthy of your love, so we should work on seeing that. But also, don't get don't get distracted by infatuations. That was that was the Father Jack thing. I'll tell a quick story about him. I came home one day, and I had all these friends from Duquesne, um, these female friends that w- that were Catholic that I'd bring to the seminary. They'd pray with us, they'd eat with us, we'd hang out at the seminary. And I went to Father Jack's office one time, and I was like, "Oh, Father Jack, I'm so in love. Like, I've discerned celibacy, <laughs> but I, I love this girl." And he's like, "Which one is it? Meaning, which one of the girls I bring to the seminary?" I'm like, "Oh no, it's none of them. It's this barista at Starbucks." <laughs> he's like, "What?" <laughs> like, yeah, I go in Starbucks, and there's this one girl. She's just absolutely gorgeous, and she smiles at me every time. I probably laughs at my jokes. And, and he's like, "What's her name?" <laughs> she's a strong like, woman. <laughs> I, have, I have no idea about her name. I don't know what her name is. Like, I mean, we never even talked. Like, it's just, it's just like I buy my coffee from her, and I look forward to seeing her every time I walk in. And he's like, Michael. This is
1: like that get super creepy over song. Yourself. That super creepy song that's it's called Marry thanks, Me. Thanks, Do you know what I'm mother. talking about? The one that's like, Marry Me. And it's like, oh, it sounds so sweet and adorable. And then it says, Marry me, if I ever get the courage to say hello in this cafe yeah. or something like that. And it's like, whoa, that's actually uh, uh, really creepy. That was Father Michael. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. All that.
0: <laughs> no, but it was like it was so funny because I went into his office and I was like, I was like near tears, like despairing over my apparent call to celibacy and I was in love. He's like, you do not love this girl. Like, you, you, this should not be an issue. If you came to me and said one of these girls that you're bringing over from school, a good Catholic girl, like, if if, if you were falling for her and questioning your celibacy, then amen. I would listen to you, but I'm not even going to listen to you. Get over yourself. Like, <laughs> like think, what are you doing? Think about it. It is completely irrational, and you were just infatuated over a way a girl looks and smiles at you and maybe says three or four words. That's ridiculous, utterly ridiculous. And, and probably like,
1: laughs at your jokes.
0: And probably lost my jokes. And I was like, "You are so right." I walked out of his office like I'm not distracted by that at all anymore. Like she wasn't even on my radar after that. I walked in, saw her, got my coffee, left. Um, Yeah. So anyway, it was. Sometimes we need those. We need those. Come on. The the surface is going to be full of anxiety. You're gonna you're gonna do all these things multiple times, and then but the deep persisting peace in your life by living a good life, receiving the sacraments. Um, loving the loving your neighbor, loving the poor, um, doing what you got to do to live a life of faith. If you're doing all those things, you will have the deep peace about the vocation things, and the server Lord would be crazy.
1: Yeah, I've had a lot of those moments where you've had to just be like, "That's ridiculous." Just get, yeah. get over that.
0: <laughs> and I got that from him. <laughs>
1: Custer, so. Thank you, Father Jack, spiritual yeah. grandfather. <sighs>
0: All right, I'm done. These I'm 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 not worried about sharing. I'll share other things as they come up in other podcasts. But that was the general vocation story. Hopefully, some great. Years.
1: Thank you. It was awesome. I'm, I'm really having the same
0: insecurities you did, by the way.
1: Oh like, well, that makes be me better. feel a lot better because yeah, as that just doesn't that makes me feel ahead. a lot better because as you're telling your story, I'm like, this is amazing. This is fascinating. Yeah. This is great, and so that's good.
0: Yeah, no, I, I just feel like I was eloquent and I I'm just I'm going to reject that like. Anyway, yeah, no, ever, but I, I I understand what you why you did that now. <laughs> I like, absolutely I think, I was, like, that was not a very good telling of my story. I
1: absolutely want to keep it. It was really good. Um,
0: I've told the story better over like a beer with someone I just met I than I just did over like something that's going to persist.
1: I think that's where I was at too, and that's why I was so self conscious about mine. But whatever, it's fine. We're going to move on. Um, can I make an an exciting announcement real quick? Do it before we okay. Please. So. Uh, Quick and fun announcement before we close out is that for our 100th episode, we are nearing our 100th episode, Mm -hmm. which is crazy. Um, Father Michael is going to come out to Ohio and we're going to do, oh, I have a foot cramp right now. Oh, it's horrible. Oh, oh, oh. Okay, okay, it's gone. Um, Just because I'm holding my foot. So we're going to do a live episode for our 100th episode. It is going to be on Tuesday, March 29th. And we're hoping it's going to be in the Cleveland area. We're hoping that it's going to be in the evening so that people can come after work if you want to come sit in on this live episode. Um, But we will... Put details about the live episode up on Instagram and Facebook as they come. And you can also, if you don't have Instagram or Facebook, we're not encouraging you to go get those. Um, <laughs> exactly. Go ahead and send us an email at whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com um, as the date approaches if you would like details on that, if you want to come out to the episode. Um, also, feel free to send an email if you have any ideas for the 100th episode. We're not totally settled on what we want to do. For the for the topic or, or whatever. So, if you have any ideas of what would be fun for a hundredth episode, feel free to send us an email. Again, whatgodisnotpodcast at gmail.com. I probably don't have to say the again thing when you're recording a podcast because people can just skip back 10 seconds. But,
0: <laughs> anyways,
1: I did. I don't think I did. Did I miss anything on that? Tuesday, March 29th, no. hopefully the evening, et cetera, et cetera.
0: In Cleveland, and we, we welcome people to come in person. Mm-hmm. and. hmm. Uh, and celebrate with us our hundredth episode.
1: Yeah,
0: it'll be Lent. I know. I may have a beer anyway.
1: Oh, <gasps> Mother Michael, I will not. Mother won't.
0: She's a scrupulous person, but I may. <laughs>
1: we'll see, it's if not I just scrupulous. I'm, old. I'm under obedience to the fast of the monastery. It's not. much easier. Yeah, like I don't, I don't even have to discern that. It's just no.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's easier. Alright, um, so thank you to our Patreons. patrons uh, we, they're uh, called patrons. I don't like the word patron. I like well benefactor. then,
1: thank you for our Patreon benefactor. supporters.
0: Thank you to they're our not benefactor. called Patreons,
1: though.
0: Thank you to our benefactors on Patreon. <laughs> okay. Um, we're going to go through the shout-outs, uh, but I do want to shout-out two of you that we know personally, so I was able to ask. Uh, but Maddie Hebert and Pauline Miert, um, thank you for I'm not well. I, I said it'd be basic, but anyway, both of you, both of you, we know, both of you, we love mm-hmm. in, in in real life. Um, but thank you for supporting us, and thank you for listening. Um, also, uh, we are going to do our. We have on our Patreon on our twenty five dollar month um, level or above. We have a quarterly Zoom meet and greet. So just a, a quarterly Zoom. Uh, we'll just go out there for an hour or whatever, and uh, Mother and I will both be there, and we will uh, we will. Chat with you, anybody who's on those levels and above um, and again, we don't get this money. I always feel weird weird asking, but it, 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 all this goes to our our Fotina LLC our Fotina nonprofit um, where we do evangelization and, and give to the poor. so any support um, that you can help um, but we will uh, we are going to have that would oh, you have the date in front of you mother? Um oh, wait, well, I guess it doesn't matter we'll, we'll we'll email you if you're a patron at that level. But um, but it's going to happen after this after this comes out. Yeah, um, it's happening it, if, in a few if, weeks. If you want to become a benefactor um, or a patron on our Patreon, check it out, and you'll see that if you're at the twenty five or above, um, you can join us for these quarterly um, chats, mm-hmm. quarterly hangouts over Zoom. Um, if you're over the hundred above, then you get in person visits. But um, mm-hmm. anyway, we're, we're trying to just use our time the little we have to to support the nonprofit that we do. Yep. All right. Um prayer intentions. Um my then we can do uh then we can do uh well actually let's do the I'll do all the things. Uh we're on Facebook what God is not, we're on Instagram what God is not, we are on YouTube what God is not, I'm on Twitter, Padre Michaelo. Uh, we have a Goodreads page that we share what we read, and you can share what you're reading, and we can chat about that, especially our media team. Um, we'll do that with you. Uh, our nonprofit is called Fotina. Our Patreon is Patreon for what God is not. Uh, we, uh, You can leave us messages and, and uh, recommendations, whatever they call it. Uh, you can give us feedback on Apple Podcasts, and we're also on Spotify and many other uh, podcast platforms. Mm-hmm. I think that's everything. Um, my prayer intention—I have not thought about this.
1: Neither have um, I. Uh oh.
0: My prayer intention is for um, there's a young woman who I met out at a coffee at a uh, at a restaurant who uh, who is going through some spiritual things right now, and she's she's starting to take steps to come back to the faith. She's fallen away. Mm. But he's starting to take some baby steps, and she's um, but she's going through some spiritual things right now, and and like it all came to a head yesterday, and I have not checked back in with her to find out how it went. Hmm. Um, so anyway, I'm excited uh, to do that. But if you'll if you'll pray for her, that'd be great.
1: Okay. Um. Shoot, I didn't think about this. Uh, please pray for Joseph and Seska Locklin because they're on my heart. That's all. Just pray
0: for them. Nice. Amen. Amen. That's my family. Yep.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, okay. Uh, so, love you, sister.
1: Love you too. Thanks, Father. Love you, listeners.
0: You didn't notice I called you the wrong thing. Love you, mother.
1: Oh, you called me. You I must said... be frustrated with me. No, that's only when you use my <laughs> baptismal name. Um, <laughs> well, thanks. Thanks for sharing your story. It was really great, and I was happy to hear it. Thank you. Can you please give us a blessing?
0: May Lord bless you and keep you, cause his face to shine upon you of mercy on you. May our Lord give you his peace. May He allow you to see His work in the lives of your grandparents, the lives of your parents, your own life. May you never doubt that God has been working from the moment of your conception, even unto now, and will continue to work in your life. The fact that He loves you more than anybody can besides Him, that He forgives you and is able to remove any regrets. From anything you may have done that hindered his work when you were younger that he forgives sins and wants to forgive sins more than anything wants to bring you in union with him may you be thankful for those he put in your life up until now and even in the future those who were his voice and his hands and his feet in your life who guided you may you be explicitly thankful to them if you're able and May you be reminded to pray for them often. May you, on this All Souls Saturday that we're recording, may you also remember to pray for the dead, those who have, those who are interceding for you now without you knowing, and also those who, who had impacts on your life while you were growing up or even recently. May our Lord give you a good examination of conscience every day and throughout your life to be thankful for the things he's given you that are positive, the way you've responded to that, and to... With a conviction, um, admit your weaknesses and your sins that they may be forgiven. May our Lord continue to let you know how he leads you towards heaven and life with himself. May the Lord bless you in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit.
1: Amen. Amen.